first, when I first made it, I was just like, now my eyes see your future. This shit is hard. <laughs> You've just heard an exclusive audio from Denzel Curry at the Oxford Union. Welcome, Loaf Gang, to episode five of the Loaf Podcast. Today, we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Fix the Uncultured. For this episode, we'll be calling him Fix. Fix the Uncultured is a hip-hop page known on Instagram primarily. He's got a following base of 10,000 plus, and he posts aesthetic pictures uh, and reviews of music. I will give Fix the Uncultured a few moments to introduce himself. The loafers are really excited for this episode, and I hope you guys are too. What's up, guys? <laughs> so, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm super gassed to be here. I mean, I never thought, like, back when I started the page, that I'd be recording a podcast with Oxford students here at the studio, and, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. I was excited, but I think you should be excited, actually. It should be the other sure. way around. What a privilege to be with Oxford students, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're just going to crack open some Stellas, as per usual. What's the time? It is 7.46pm, the date is the 23rd of February, the time is GMT on a Thursday, the time is not GMT, and we're cracking our ninth Stella of the day. It squirted again, mate. Oh, oh I squirted all over you and your laptop, but it's chill. <laughs> I mean, Fix came to Oxford about a week ago. He's here on uh, exchange from Malta, where he yep. hails from, where, where I hail from, and he's a good friend of mine from back home. Uh, Fix is here at Oxford Brookes University and he decided to join us on this podcast. We're really glad he accepted our invitation and we hope he can divulge some important and interesting hip-hop knowledge for all you for all you listeners today. Yeah, I mean, thank you for having me. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Of course, welcome. Welcome. of course. Yeah. Even if you are from Brooks. <laughs> yeah, let's not get onto that. Yeah, so <laughs> for the listeners who don't know, Oxford Brooks is sort of like a second unit. Seconds may be a bit biased, but it's the second university in Oxford. It's sort of like one you can go to. It's in the same city, um, and it's different, and there's a little bit of beef. People say Brooks or Books. Are you from Brooks or Books? We're from Books. He's from Brooks. So just so people know, because people tend to think Oxford is like one big thing. I mean, on the flip side, I also think Brooks people are probably a little bit cooler, hence why we've got A that. little bit more fun. <laughs> I don't think you would find a page like Fix the Uncultured. I think I we're more interesting. Think so. I think we're more interesting. What do you think, Fix? Are the, are the Oxford students well, more interesting than the Brooks students? Well, you've been around Oxford students for, well, months now. And the first week that someone from Brooks is here, I mean, I got an appointment with you guys. Yeah. Maybe that's the page, I think though. That I think we wouldn't just invite, <laughs> we wouldn't, like, start a podcast and be like, guys, we're so excited. We've got an exclusive with a Brooks student today. You know, we said we got an interview with Fix the Uncultured. So I think that speaks for itself. Man, your page is really exciting. Um, but before we get into your page and the and the meat of that, uh, we really wanted to ask a little bit something a little more personal. Um, coming to Oxford, it's a new experience for you. What would you say is the most interesting or annoying or cool stuff that's happened to you since you got to Oxford? <laughs> I've got one idea, bro. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, well, this is my first time studying and living abroad, so. It's kind of a big change for me, but I've, I feel like I've seeped into it quite easily, you know, it's not hard. I mean, I'm surrounded by good friends or whatever, so it's quite easy. I mean, you had, a, you had a bit of room trouble, didn't you, eh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. so, yeah, my bathroom decided to flood. <laughs> wait, wait, sorry, what did it flood with, though? Yeah, um, <laughs> the drains had a big problem, I just literally woke up and found my bathroom and carpet just covered in shit. Oh, my <laughs> God. Oh. Disgusting. Do you still sleep there? Huh? Do you still sleep in your room? Nah, nah. They sorted it. Like, I contacted the reception. They, they did, like, a deep clean. Straight deep away. I yeah, I would so imagine. Like, classic Brooks. How can you stay I there? still have the humidifiers in my room and oh the issue was, oh, like, a week ago now. <laughs> they crazy. let me have them. Or That's crazy. crazy. Um, and there's also a funny taxi story that you told. <laughs> 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 Dive on that story. Yeah, so, okay, picture this. It's um, it's 4 a.m. after a night out, and I'm going to back to Brooks from Christchurch. And um, <clears throat> instead of catching an Uber, uh, Lucas uh, advised me to just get a cab from up the road, which I did. So I arrived to the row of cabs, and the second cab there, he's like, come on in, for sure, I'll take you. I'm like, okay, perfect 
get in the cab. And this guy on the street starts knocking on the window. He's like, can I come in, bro? Can I come in? I'm like, nah, because I wasn't really comfortable. This guy had a black eye, just to put you in the picture. And he was definitely drunk. So I was like, nah, nah, I don't want this guy in my cab for sure. The cab driver agreed with me was also making it clear that he did not want this guy in the cab. Before you know it, this guy pulls open the door of my cab driver, pulls him out on the street, and they pull out, start brawling. (laughs) (laughs) Classic (laughs) brood. And this is 4 a.m., you know, I'm I'm not exactly in a clear state of mind. I've had a bit of drink. Like your second day in Oxford. (laughs) Second day in Oxford, and, and my cab driver just fully fighting this guy, you know. So... I get out of the cab, try to separate the fight, but I'm just not doing a very good job at it, to be honest. I had no idea about this. <laughs> you didn't know? I didn't know about this. I kept asking you, like, what is this but then, but then, as Fix was trying to help, no, a second taxi driver <laughs> comes <laughs> over. Yeah, it's fair to say the taxi driver has won that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then, the tax- I mean, you can say it, but the taxi driver just got back in and was like, Okay, so what destination would you like to go to? <laughs> as if nothing happened. <laughs> this is a story of epic magnitudes. I mean, as long as I got back to my destination, I think all That's good stuff. That's good. Wow. Uh, Have you gone clubbing a little bit now in Oxford? Um, I've been to three clubs actually already. I've been to uh, Bridge, Mm -hmm. uh, Attic, and uh, the O2. Can we get a definitive ranking of them? So, I'd say it's quite a tight battle between um, Bridge and uh, O2 for me. Attic is I mean, but I'm not. I'm as in the experience of it all. Ma- makes it a lot uh, closer. You see, I had a quite a good night uh, yesterday, which was when I went to the O2, and I found Bridge a bit. Um, I like the venue, but the music wasn't for me, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'd put, uh, I think I'd put uh, the O2 above Bridge, and then Attic is a clear favorite. Yeah, it has oh. multiple rooms. I've never yeah. been in a club like that. And coming from Malta, I'm very used to clubs. So yeah, in Malta, it's, it's one room clubs, no? Yeah, mostly. I've never mostly. been to a, a club with different rooms. That's crazy. Wow. That feels quite normal yeah. for us, I think. So, in England. So, yeah. Attic, sponsor us, please. <laughs> <laughs> right, Attic, you get us a black card. All our time. listeners will <laughs> be coming. I'll tell you that now. Yeah, I mean, part of them got the bridge for free because there was a black card. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we just need an Attic. Fix got into Bridge for free, which is pretty cool, to be fair, with uh, Lucas's black card, which he got from a friend. So, Are we going to go one another. week without mentioning the black card? Yeah, that's going to be tough. I mean, <laughs> I've mentioned it every week so far. Not every week. I mean, it's quite a flex, though. It's a little <laughs> bit of a flex. Yeah. If you're a new listener, if you're coming from Fix Young Culture, the black card is like free entry every week, free drinks, Q-skip, all this sort of stuff. So, yeah. yeah I'm just in the shittest just club in yeah, the UK. Weird. Or in the <laughs> bottom ten. So <laughs> <laughs> we... Um, Shelby, I think so. For all the fixed young people who've come to listen to this podcast from Fix the Uncultured, I really hope you enjoy this episode because we're going to be asking Fix some really in-depth questions about his views. And I'm not sure if you guys have ever heard his his voice before, uh, no, having just haven't. just having yeah. been on the um, on the Instagram page. So this 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 is a really yeah, exciting this is a big jump for me. Actually. It's a really exciting thing. We should um we should ask the listeners. Yeah, we should ask the listeners. Where did you think Fix the Uncultured was from? I feel like Malta definitely was not the answer. Yeah. No, I, I mean, my guess is that they'll think I'm from America or US based on based on my music taste. But yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, how did you um, <laughs> how did you get into that music? Yeah, how did you even come up with the idea to fix the uncultured? Uh, okay, so let's take it back around three years now, maybe even four. Uh, COVID lockdown, everyone stuck in their rooms, very bored, nothing to do. And I'm just lying there on my bed <laughs> and I'm like, man, I should really start a page. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I used to look up to pages like A Plastic Plant, who's doing great right now. I mean, I've been a fan of that page since it was at like 10,000 followers, which wow. is where I am now. What's it at now? 400,000. Oh, wow. wow. So, Soon come for you, eh? Yeah. So, so on that projection, in three years, you have 400,000. What was it? So. <laughs> But yeah, A Plastic Plant was definitely my inspiration, I'd say, because, I mean, his content is so good, and I'm like, I'm so capable of doing this too, but in regards to music, other than overall aesthetics. And yeah, I, I don't know how the the name came up to me, to be honest. It's I guess, such a cool name. It's a really catchy. Nah, it's, it's so cool. Nah, I, like, I guess, um, I guess it was 
I mean, if someone didn't know a certain song or didn't know an album, I, I would like be like, you're so uncultured, bro, come on. <laughs> so I was like... Go fix them. Yes, I got to fix them. <laughs> and that's how I came up with the name, I guess. And I just started, um, you know, posting and um, being devoted to it every single day, doing album reviews. I was like, in, during my lessons at school, I'd just be working on the page instead. And uh, yeah. Yeah, so did you start like full commit? full commitment or did you like get into it and you just didn't like a post here and there like um no i mean i was very excited at the beginning to be honest because it was something new and music is definitely the thing i care about most in the world what but about your mom <laughs> <laughs> after my mom that's what about your dad <laughs> yeah that's the family after no that. i'm joking yeah, <laughs> when did the popularity really hit like which post received them but like the most amount of people said oh damn yeah, was it was it like one post just blew up, or was it like uh, a, a gradual yeah. increase? So I mean, the few, uh, the few uh, first months were challenging because you're not getting the engagement you want straight away. It takes a lot of effort, and it can be really demotivating when you spend, for example, hours on a post only for it to get like ninety likes or something. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there were times where. I would post, wouldn't get the right um, engagement, and I'd be upset. But more, that wasn't really bringing me down. What was, you see, I took a couple months breaks in between, and during these few years, you know, there have been weeks where I've gone without posting because I've had to focus on other things. And in fact, I just got back to um, posting this week, and I said I would never half-heartedly run this page. Mm -hmm. So now that I'm in a position to do it, I. I am, yeah. Yeah, so I heard you have like quite a few famous rappers who have reposted some of your stuff. So surely, uh, like the lows must be counteracted by yeah. these like famous rappers. Like, should I name a few? Yes, yeah, name them. Yeah. So wait, rather than repost, I'm gonna go with interactive mm. with me because there's like so people have reposted, people have liked, you know, there's different things. But just off the top of my head, and ones that I admire most, I'm gonna go with uh, Black has seen my story. Denzel Curry has uh, reposted me mm. and seen my story multiple times. More on Denzel Curry later. JID has uh, seen my story oh, multiple what times. He's what my favorite artist right now, I'd say. Uh, Saba. I've had conversations with uh, Saint. Champagne oh, so Shots. Cool, Shout out UK scene. Yeah, London yeah, scene. Big on the UK scene, that guy. So that was cool. Um, yeah, there, there are a few, but I can't remember. Uh, Smino, Baby Keem. I mean I was um I was at school with Fix and I remember every time something like this would happen, we'd be at school, be in <laughs> class, and it would just be crazy because we were just there, you know, eighteen years old and for these huge names to be interacting with, with Fix like this was just crazy. The internet is crazy. World. The internet is crazy. The things you can do like it was it would blow my mind how just me, a guy on my phone in Malta's like reaching a guy from America who's like big, you know. Bro, so cool. 30 years ago that just would never exactly. happen the mm. best you could do is run into them on the street now it's and so then it, and then that's different because they're not like commending you by seeing or liking when they interact with you with you on your page it's like that that person's actually saying you've done something cool yeah. that's even better bro it's huge okay. nothing well, motivates me more I'd say, so sure. for fear of pissing off your fans i've probably i've got the first question for you oh. right <laughs> what are your thoughts on conscious rap who are your top three conscious rappers and at the moment. You, at the moment. And what do you think the impact of conscious rap is? So, like, for um, example, Joey Badass on yeah. like, All American Badass. Yeah. Um, well, I've got a few albums, but, I mean, the rapper who's made the most change for me um, is definitely Kendrick Lamar. I mean, mm. this guy, what he's done for the black community in America is no rapper has ever done anything like this before. I mean, you think so? To Even, like, compared to, like... Tupac, for example. Yeah, what about older ones? Um, yeah, well, to pimp a butterfly just ties everything so perfectly, and like, Good Kid, Mad City, for example, gives such deep insight into like the struggle of people from Compton, and like, mm. you're literally getting the story from his own perspective, you know, and that's wrong. Mm. It's you don't get like, you don't get it, um, things like that from other genres, I'd say also. That's interesting. Yeah, because rap, rap was sort of birthed like in the 90s from being conscious rap. So like, you know, Mob Deep and those types yeah. of, like, it, it, I think it's really cool as like a source of yeah. power for yeah. like, you know, struggling black people yeah. in America, especially. And um, yeah, I mean, you, I've only mentioned Kendrick Lamar, but I'd like to definitely shout out Joey Badass. Um, yeah. 
I'm gonna say uh, Absol, whose birthday it is today. Hey, Happy birthday, yeah. Absol. Shout out. Um, <laughs> Probably listening. That's true. <laughs> uh, JID's latest album was Don't Capsulate. Quite a lot of, you know, conscious rap too. Just for those yeah. who don't know, what, how do you define conscious rap and what does conscious rap mean to you? Um, you see, I, like in my head, I kind of divide rap into two. I'd be like the rap where you're having fun, you're flexing, the beat is hard, you know. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the deeper side of rap where, you know, it's exploiting your emotions, it gets you thinking, you're actually feeling something, you know, and so many rappers have the great talent of feeling this stuff. Yeah, I mean, that sort of ties into what I was going to ask you. I'll make it more as a situation, my question. So you have like two songs, mm-hmm. which are basically almost exactly the same. And you have one which is talking, let's say, for example, it's Kendrick Lamar, and mm-hmm. he's speaking from the heart, and he's, yeah. um, you can choose whichever song you like. It's like a super good kid, Mad City, for example, the album. Okay. It's a super deep insight into black culture and stuff. And you have another one, almost the same, but created by someone who doesn't have that insight, or said, and you know, it's sort of posing, or said, for example, um, you know, saying something untrue or like having worse yeah. connotations about black culture and maybe like demeaning or something. Do you think that decreases the song's merit in itself or is it just about the impact it has? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I'd say that I feel like being truthful in your music is a huge factor when it comes to credibility and um, the weight and impact it has on people. So... If someone is talking about experiences that they've gone through, mm. then just you like you, you have a moment to think to yourself, you're like, wow, this is real. Someone actually experienced mm. this, and they're like explaining it so well through this music, and that m- makes a song great rather than good to me. Yeah. Oh shit. Whilst a song where a guy is just um, uh, like speaking a bit hypothetically, it, it can still be a good song, but you just you don't value it as much I'd say you heard of um, Dax that is like no. he's some American rapper and to me it's very like he tries to talk about social issues and stuff but it's very much you feel I feel like there's a feeling about the truth you feel that it's posed he's trying to talk about these deep issues and like social media and like political culture but it's not like it, you, you, you don't get the same feeling you know what I mean there's like a you with music without other things you feel instantly whether someone's telling the truth or not i think yeah yeah just to just to follow up on that for you what's like one album or song where you really feel that realness that truth to it i mean i have i'm sure you have many i'm sure you have many but one just the one that comes off the top of your head off the dome um the three so we're talking personal albums right that's a good word i'd say three personal albums i admire a lot are uh blonde Frank Ocean, everyone knows oh, that so one. I'd read that. I'd read that ten personally. Yeah. Um, I'd give "Damn" by Kendrick Lamar okay. definitely, and is also his latest album, uh, "Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers." It's so personal mm-hmm. and deep, and also my favorite album of all time, Mac Miller's Swing. Rest in peace, Mac Miller. Rest in peace, man. We'll come back to Mac Miller later. Man. I know <laughs> you have a lot to say about, about him. Stuff about <laughs> yeah, for real. I guess uh, linking on the two impacts of rap you were talking about, so. One rap that you know makes you think and gets yeah. that's quite deep. You know, it's, it's quite political, conscious rap. And then you talked about the other rap, which was having fun, you know, yeah. feeling the night, whatever. So recently, you see an increase of, I mean, over the past twenty years, increase of money within rap, yeah. within the hip hop scene, right? You know, industry record labels, labels trying to hire to to yeah. uh, sign on rappers or whatever. Yeah. So wh- my actual question is, what is your opinion on commercial? And like, can can commercial rap, like, or what we think of as commercial rap, can it actually have any artistic merit? Um, artistic merit for sure. I mean, you see, when somebody's making music, they probably um, they have a decision in their head: Do I want to make what people want to listen to, or do I want to make what I want to listen to? And mm-hmm. my favorite artists often go down the road of. I'm going to make what I want to listen to and I'm going to make it work. Now, um, you see, there are rappers who are great at making an insane sound that bangs in the club, whatever, make people have a good time. And if you're making people have a good time, that's artistic merit to me. I mean, you're changing someone's mood. And yeah, some rappers are just better at making bangers, you know, rather than personal work. Yeah, like Drake, for example, I would Mm -hmm. say. 
Drake can do both. He, he like, does. Yeah, he, both. Yeah. he could do both. I mean, his yeah. old in um, the earlier parts of his career, it was definitely more personal. I'd say, and now he's so big, it's just. He's way, become a lot. I feel like, I feel like he's so versatile. By the way, just yeah. as a side note, like that guy could do R and B and like lyrical rap yeah. and just one of the most versatile house in the yeah. industry. Yeah. House. That might be one of the things bad about commercial rap because I don't think it's an intrinsic thing. Like, let's say you're signed to a label, but they give you creative freedom and you're a deep thinker yeah. and whatever. It's fine. But with Drake, for example, he's been famous for what, like 15 years now. He's been living an insane life for like 15 years now. He hasn't been really yeah. encountering any sorts of problems. No. To have that kind of heartfelt thing, it's a lot more difficult when his whole life is partying, enjoyment, praise. Right now, Fix is wearing a hoodie of the weekend which leads oh, wow. me into <laughs> my next question after hours that's a very cool do you idea. think any rapper has sold their soul to commercialism oh, oh, Mr. Oh. well i mean the weekend isn't a rapper but definitely can rap oh, he wants to it's proven that many times but you see with the weekend i've been on i've been on the weekend by the way for like 10 years now you know one of my first favorite artists that i've felt such a connection with and i've seen him grow and you see he got so big after beauty behind the madness that he sort of he had to um make music that was gonna stand out and it was going to be popular because that was the weight he had on the industry back then and he knew he could do it so throughout his career he's had quite a similar sound from trilogy to Kissland and then beauty behind the madness which was a huge album groundbreaking but then he took it to the next level he he did a pop album starboy which is still in the charts seven years later he's done after hours which is a completely different sound he's done my dear melancholy which came before after hours which is just a very deep sad ep and now we're at dawn fm which is just pop music straight up electronic amazing production it's so different yeah so cool so would you say that he, the fact that he's become more commercial now has he become more commercial has he become less for example more less real has he become less real i don't think so <laughs> you don't think so um you see you see what he's this guy is the first in the world in streaming and he didn't get to that position by becoming commercial and selling his soul he came on that position with releasing music that he wants to make you know, look at Dawn FM. I never imagined the weekend to make an album like that, but it works so well. It can do it so well. Okay, that, that's interesting. But do you do you think then there are any? What what artist would you say has sold their soul to commercialism, for example? Just leading off that. Um, His followers are gonna hate him for this. <laughs> Name and shame. I mean. I mean, Drake definitely has become more commercialized. Like, hundred percent. When I think of my favorite Drake albums, I think of the ones that came out, you know, ten years ago, not the ones that came out recently. But Drake's just—I mean, no disrespect to Drake, because it's there's still great bodies of work. But I mean, yeah, rappers do sell their souls. Yeah, I mean, Scorpion for me is in Drake like the biggest example of that. It's a good album. I was like fifteen maybe when it came out. Came out, so I loved it. But looking back and listening to it now, it's all quite like cheap. And that's not in the sense that it's actually, it's not like, oh, it's cheap. I would enjoy it here, but it hasn't got the deepness. It's like the commercial you can almost hear and it kind of like ruins your enjoyment of it. It's like, yeah. Yeah. So in fact, like I remember uh, Denzel, Curry spoke, uh, speaking about this last year because it was the year um, uh, Donda and... Um, I'm not sure which album of Drake it was, but yeah, he was talking about possibly, honestly, never mind and uh donda i was no sorry it was certified lover boy and donda and he's saying these two guys are like the biggest names in rap they have the best like producers at the tip of their fingers and they've released quite disappointing albums i mean mm. that's an example of not putting in your heart into a project i feel and mm. the results of it show because none of the songs on that are charting right now i mean talking about denzel i feel like this is a good opportunity now for all you guys to hear some exclusive audio that we have from Denzel Let's Curry. Basically, Let's go. I was at the Oxford Union uh, a few months ago and I got the chance to meet Denzel Curry. And I asked him two questions, one of them based around mental health. And one of them was a question that Fix the Uncultured sent through me to ask Denzel. And we're gonna, play, yeah, we're gonna play the first clip for you guys. We'll discuss it a bit. 
and then we'll move to the second clip and see what we have to say about that. So this is the first clip uh, where Denzel addresses mental health. Nah, just basically, I'm, I'm making a video on, on mental health and union speakers addressing mental health. And I was wondering if you had any advice for people who are suffering from ill mental health. Because I know you're an advocate for that kind of thing. I'm an advocate for it because I was um, just pretty much my whole life. I was dealing with kind of turmoil and things that I was dealing with internally. But it was coming out externally. Ex <clears throat> it was coming out and I didn't understand like where it came from, where this anger came from, where sadness came from. But I started to piece everything together when I was going through therapy. So I'm an advocate more so of like going to therapy and trying to figure out what's your base of like what you're trying to figure out with your life. Because if you don't, you just gonna end up in situations like how R. Kelly is in his situation and all these guys are in their situation because they never really got the chance to deal with their mental health. And then all these things start popping up and then you realize certain things about their past and then it's too late because they don't understand, they didn't understand at the time and it becomes their person. So I'm an advocate for it because it could prevent you also from doing something stupid, but also helping you like project yourself on the right path for where you need to go in your life. So we just heard from Denzel. Fix, how do you respond to that first clip? What a guy, man. <laughs> One, thanks again for asking him one such a good question because Denzel is like quite an advocate for this, as he said. Um, but yeah, I mean, mental health and rap right now is being really, really pushed forward and it's such a good thing because when you're hearing your favorite artists talk about their problems and you know the stuff they have to go through you really realize like damn i'm i'm really not alone in my struggles and so hearing the way that they get through it and seeing the consequences of people who don't go through it you know and suffer from it i mean look at mac miller you know and people also i feel like since rappers are so famous and they have almost everything they want it kind of shows how mental health just yeah. impinges on your situation it's not a situation related thing which i think is quite a stigma because people say like oh you but you have a good life like yeah no. yeah i mean uh, i'm a huge advocate for mental health and i've done some work around that and it was really great to hear denzel speaking so openly and so poignantly about the subject because obviously in that rap scene there's a lot of the time stuff like violence does come from ill mental health I think this is quite a poignant topic because like us as loaf i think all of us have struggled like mm. at some point in our pasts and presence like with certain mental health issues and i feel like we don't talk about it enough but we're, we're very open about it with each other yeah, i'd say which is which yeah, is important it's very nice um but i was gonna ask you about like uh, juice world and mac miller because obviously yeah. um, they both like overdosed on drugs yeah i feel like the use of drugs it sort of coincides with mental health issues within rap so. or follows from a lot of the time yeah, yeah yeah well i mean rap it's it's known by some people to glorify drugs which it does you know i mean rappers. what's that future line bro uh, where he's like <laughs> i feel like a superhero off the lean or something <laughs> i just want this famous around i mean yeah it's um it's popular i mean we're all we all listen to bangers and they all talk about doing drugs and killing or whatever and we're like wow that's so cool but <laughs> yeah um at the same time this is where i appreciate the artists who step forward and you know come through and openly talk about it i mean we have absol's latest album herbert he talks about how he nearly um, he took his own life and failed he had a um, failed suicide um mr mara and the big steppers a huge personal album there are songs like Mother I Sober, where Kendrick is just super open and is letting us deeply into his past and his heart. And then there's also Denzel Carrion, who won Melt My See Your Future. He talks about the way he's mistreated people, the way how now that he can see it through his eyes, he apologizes for the things he's done, you know. And that's where rap is um, good, you know. <laughs> that sort of brings in, yeah, how he was talking about R. Kelly and how he's like become that person. And he could have sought help before. There's an interesting thing about how much mental health can like rob your own agency. And I think even for Denzel, he was talking about how he used to be angry in the past. For a lot of us, you look at a mentally ill person, you say, oh, that doesn't excuse it or whatever. But the, the thing that music and I think art does in general, in a way that just discussion can't, is it gives you a perspective, yeah. first person from them. And that is actually shown yeah. in a way that discussion or being open couldn't, that um, it really takes your agency in a lot yeah. of cases. So... 
um, on Kendrick Lamar's latest album, for example, there is mention of R. Kelly, but he also, the inclusion of Kodak Black in the album was also huge, a big surprise for some fans because Kodak has been accused of um, several crimes, whatever, but Kendrick, the point he wants to make on the album is that the person we are is often a result of our upbringing and our childhood, and he asks a, quite a philosophical question, he's like, Will would have would things have been different for people like Kodak Black and R. Kelly if they weren't raised in such poor conditions? You know, this is what I love about rappers because it usually comes from a position of struggle. So yeah. their upbringing is usually a position of struggle, and I yeah. think that's why people really identify with rap. So, like for example, I'm pretty sure all of us must have had an XXX Temptation. Hundred <laughs> percent. I know yeah. you did, I mean, but like we all did, right? I, right, used to, I used to follow like a hundred fan pages. Is it, not, it <laughs> is it not crazy how like at the age of 15 we're identifying with this guy's struggle? Like, you know, Jocelyn Flores is like so an really old, crazy. But there, was, so crazy there was a thing though, like in and around the people that I knew with like almost wanted the pro a problem I see slightly is with X specifically. What I remember is people like sort of wanting to identify with mm -hmm. that and 15 year olds mm -hmm. sort of seeing them as yeah. depressed. And getting into that thing, I think like, in in a lot of ways, life imitates art. And listening to X all the time, if you're not already in that state, and it's not a consolation thing, that can be really bad for you. I think you have to use it wisely. But yeah. it is a testament to how good X was as an artist. Is that That's so true? Is that he actively like sways your feelings? You know, and makes your you depressed. Life, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. By by just his music, bro. At, at the same time, like. It sort of when you're that age, 15, and you're listening to rap, like I don't know what you think, like whether there should be restrictions or not, but a lot of people who I knew glorified, like I don't know if you've heard, you probably haven't, but Harlem Spartans were like a big drill group in mm. London, mm. right? Yeah. And they, they popped off when we were about like 15, right? And everyone in my football team listening to Harlem Spartans, mm. and then some of them actually decided to dip into gang violence literally oh, yeah. because of this glorification. Bro, there's um there's a guy I know. He was about fifteen. Up until that point he liked Latin, cross country. <laughs> yeah. He started listening to all this music. It started, you know, he was trying to like put on the accent, he was wearing clothes, and now he's a drug dealer. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? It's pretty crazy. But well with music, I mean artists are free to make whatever music they want to make and they're free to discuss what they want to make. But then it comes down to the message they're putting out there. Are they are they encouraging people to, you know, rob and engage in gang violence and whatever? Or are they speaking about it as um, in order to prevent people? Because, like, saying, look, this is what happens when you do this, you know? At the, at the same time, it's do like there's that there should be a wider onus or wider responsibility of the artists to promote a better, more healthier message about, like, gang violence, about uh, mental health, about the Yeah, because, I mean, often artists... The person they are in their music is just a persona and then the yeah. person they really are who their fans know um it contrasts with what they're saying i mean yes i mean artists do have the responsibility to make sure that the message they're putting out to their fans is not a bad one at the end of the day but it's also just music and mm. yeah. well i think there's a certain extent to which it's fine if it's real but i think with a lot of like uk drill and stuff yeah. Their friends will have died. Yeah. Their friends will have gone to prison. Yeah. They experience deep emo, like they will experience deep pain because that stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's like a really bad life in a lot of ways. You nearly die loads of times, and all they're saying is, "Oh, free him up, free him up." Or they're saying, you know, this and that, and they're not going into the whole reality of it. I think as long as you put the reality across, which is your responsibility, then if people take it the wrong way, that's kind of their fault. I, I think the problem is in its interpretation, right? Because these people are coming from a place where their song is actually an attack on the gangs that they're beefing with, right? Yeah. So a lot of the time it's like, right, I killed this guy, haha, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'll free this guy, we want him back, right? So it's sort of like fortifying your own yeah. gang, right? So their purpose it's for doing it... It's literally politics through music. Yeah, it's politics through music. And it's like, they're being protectionist in, this, in, mm. in their music. But then you have 13-year-olds from God knows where, like Reading, stabbing people did you see that like it was, no. like, it was over the summer i think there was like this 13 year old who stabbed someone over like stealing his girl or something it was something crazy and i thought right if drill wasn't about that would not happen i don't, I, I don't think that would happen i think i think we're all kind of uh, reflects the current like social economic
Like, but it goes both yeah, ways. It goes both ways. Like it re- it it reflects systemic issues. Like like it, it and it, 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 it can does, increase though it, whether it, it issues amplifies them. But also, I mean, it's subject. I mean, the the the, the murder of that of the stabbing of that person was sub- because of like systemic issues rather did, than drills. But did you see like Parliament were trying to um, outlaw drills? Really? Yeah, I mean, they put they put a lot of rest- like Diggity, for example, couldn't yeah. um, make music or properly for like about two years. Yeah, but you see, with drill, you know, there are the drill artists who are going to push this type of message or whatever. But then you get an artist like Dave, and mm. Dave, mm. Psycho Drama, and mm. album, he's talking about the gang violence he experienced growing up, everything about it, and he's pushing the message forward of staying away from this stuff and that is still drill music i guess you know dave is a grime artist and his flow his beats are all drill but the message is completely different you know? i think i think with grime that's quite an interesting point i think it's sort of become gentrified because <laughs> grime was the original drill right so back in like the 2000s right you had a bunch of people who were releasing grime music and it was like it was the og drill drill then was sort of like a subset of grime and now Grimes gone like this weird route with Skepta. You know how he's like started releasing music with ASAP Rocky and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It's like it's taken a whole it's new. Like, Grimes has been gentrified, but drill, drill, successful drill most of the time is from people who drill originated from people actually in gang violence yeah. most of the time, and people don't like the songs that aren't from that. Even Central C, who grew up um, in a pretty bad area, his brother was stabbed, etc. Since people. I don't know the actual facts of the case, but a lot of people say that he wasn't actually involved in gang violence. People hate it and they say it's a reason not to listen to him. Mm, but I, I guess he is super popular. I so. mean, I'm from the same area as Central Sea, right? And a few of my <laughs> friends, like, sort of know people that he knew. And he said, like, he, the only reason he has money is, well, he does live on an estate, like, one very near mine. But the only reason he has money is because he was reselling Supreme. So he was like, <laughs> he was lining up outside like Supreme. But I, I used I don't to know, do that don't shit. Don't, don't, don't do quote me on that. Yeah, don't quote me on that. I don't want Central C to start sh- shooting for me. Buddy. Well, if he does, get him on the fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> Upgrade from Fix the Uncultured. <laughs> no. We should move on to the next clip of Denzel and then segue into the next questions that we have for Fix. So I'm going to play next part of the interview with Denzel Curry and we'll hear what Fix and all the loafers have to say about that. Run it. Um, yeah, my last question is on behalf of Fix the Uncultured. So it's an Instagram page and you, you reshared it. So he's, he's my best friend and he's got an Instagram page and you reshared it on your story, his post. <laughs> so he was like, he was super gassed. Was I, was, I don't know, I think it was like some review of, of your music or, or a picture of you. He's like, it's like an aesthetic picture and he was really gassed I was meeting you. So he wanted to ask if you could explain the meaning behind the title of your latest album, um, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. Well, that's easy. You know, at first, when I first made it, I was just like, Melt My Eyes, See Your Future. <laughs> this shit is hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, Good stuff. After that, I was just like, okay, then as I kept working on it, because I came up with the name first, I came up with the aesthetic, like the Japanese lettering, all that stuff. I came up with all that stuff first. But as time progressed and I was like working on the album and like working on the music, it was more so about, all right, this is about awareness, but it sounds like, it sounds lame to be like, I'm going to name my album Awareness. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to name my album Awareness. That's, that's corny. So as it kept going and going, I was being more aware of myself and more aware of the things that was going on around me and more, more so paying attention to how I feel because that's how I ended up making the album. And then it was just basically I had to come to terms with a lot of things and, you know, see the truth about myself with my flaws and everything that I was dealing with and seeing the flaws of the world because everybody was trapped in quarantine. So if something's in your face, it's in your face. You can't help but see it. So the whole title of Melt My Eyes, See Your Future was melting the perception of what people think they see and actually see it for what it is. It's like, oh, that color's red. And somebody like, no, I think that color's red. No, cut that off. That color's red. <laughs> Good. You know what I'm saying? It melts the perception of like what you see or like how you view yourself and how you view the world. It's right there in front of you. That's what was like the main thing, you know? And to see your future part, it was more so of like see where you're headed, you know? So you gotta see the truth and then you gotta see where you're headed. If you can see the truth, you gotta go on a better path. If you can't see the truth, you know, you're gonna go constantly and like move blindly and then you might end up into a trap or some bullshit. So that's good. Thanks man, I appreciate it. Cheers. So we've just heard that exclusive footage from Denzel Curry, insane. 
Fix. Never heard before. Never heard before. <laughs> Fix, I asked him your question. I'm I asked so, on your so behalf. Thankful. What do you think about his response? And what do you have to say about Melt My Eyes, See Your Future, the album in general, and the songs on that album? What an album, though. I mean, I, I haven't got the chance to release like my top 10 albums of 2022 yet, but it's coming next week, by the way, I suppose. Let's go. But Melt My Eyes is definitely there. I mean, Denzel with this with the sound he got on the album and the whole meaning behind it as he said um like what the message is putting out and the way he encapsulated he does such a good job like the album there are obviously songs like walking which is one of the best songs of the whole year last year i believe and john wayne the last these are just bangers straight up i love them but then there are also songs like the intro track um, mel session one and mental which are super deep and I love them so much um, for what he's saying on there like to put you into the perspective of what he's saying he has a line on um, Melt Session 1 which is the intro track of the album he says um, women I've objectified couldn't see it through my eyes so for that I apologize oh, shit. Mm. and that's personal you know but he's putting it out there and he's speaking his truth you know and that relates to the way that he's described exactly. that your future and that He's almost speaking as though there's an objective truth yeah. and that the way we perceive things sometimes can straight up yeah. be wrong. It's yeah. such a cool title though. <laughs> it's so good. And it the sounds, cover art too. It just sounds badass well. as well as you said. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, the idea is so, it's sort of what we were talking about, about how um, music allows you to just see through that first person perspective. Yeah. He's almost subverting that. And like the whole point of the album is to allow us to drop perspectives. And that's just something that even though if I think it's ultimately unachievable, it's, it's so cool. Fix, how do, you, how, how do you think he's changed since Taboo? Because Taboo was such a like grungy yeah. album, you know, like the whole yeah, aesthetic, the black and white, sound <laughs> like shit, it's so crazy. Denzel, um, he kind of like, um, has a different persona on every single album. Like mm. you can really see the differences, like there's Zoo, and there's Taboo, and there's now Mad My Your Future, he's so different, it's like almost a different artist on each of the album, but, he does such a great job with all of them. Apparently, he freestyled all of Zoo. Because I chatted to him there. <laughs> what? No he, way. He told, crazy, he told me that he freestyled all of Zoo. And they're not easy beats to freestyle no, no, either. No, no, no. <laughs> and he probably said some pretty cool shit on there as well. But that adds to the persona that's in Zoo, right? That's more of a sort of like... It's um, on the it's come up, it's yeah. flexing, like, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, if we scroll back a little bit, right, we, talk, we were talking about, you know, uh, rappers and uh, mental health, etc. I want to talk a little about about your interaction with uh, AJ Ron, and because um, he said that he what he liked one of your posts and he had a chat with him in Instagram yeah. DMs. So um, and for those who don't know, um, AJ Grant was um, a man who he played keys for uh, Mac Miller and helped him co compose uh, 2009. So um, can you tell me a, like a little? Can you tell us actually yeah, a yeah, little bit sure. more about your interaction with AJ Ron? So and yeah, how you feel about um, I came across a TikTok initially of. Um, a, boy, a voice, well not a voice recording but a recording of the keys being played for Congratulations mm -hmm. which is the intro track to The Divine Feminine and these keys these keys on the song are special you know they're kind of iconic like my, one of my best friends Victor he literally learned the whole song on the piano and I had no idea that who AJ Grant was at this time so this week he liked one of my posts and I sort of recognized the name because mm -hmm. I had seen it on a, a TikTok and I looked at his profile and I found out that he was the guy who played the keys for, um, uh, sorry, congratulations of Mac Miller. Mac Miller loved it, so he told him to go into the studio two weeks later and they made the song. And also, 2009, which is the song prior to the album. I love swimming. that song what so song. much. That like, might be my favorite. That song's a ten, song instantly, one of Mac Miller's best ever songs. Mm. So. AJ Grant was asked by Mac to compose an outro for 2009, so he spent a lot of time with Mac in the studio doing that. But in the end, it turned into the intro of the song. It was so good, he's like, I have to put this at the beginning, you know. And that's so cool. That intro is what genuinely I Violence, love that song so. bro, oh, it's it's just, it's, <laughs> that You just reach another level. Like, yeah. you know that SpongeBob meme where it's like <laughs> raising up? Like, yeah. That's my it's crazy that you're interviewing AJ Grant potentially slash yeah. hopefully um what's, what's that like <laughs> potentially yeah. no, we will. <laughs> I mean, so yeah what's that, what's that like genuinely so 
I mean, now that I'm at 10,000 followers, the page kind of gets more benefits, you know, it's yeah. a lot easier to do things. You're looked at um, in a way more professional way, you know, because I had like three years of being under 10,000 followers. It's the hardest goal to reach because then it's a lot easier from there. But now that I'm able to reach out to artists who have worked with, literally, Matt Miller is my favorite artist ever. So mm -hmm. the fact that I'm yeah. able to do that is just mind-blowing to me, you know. I'm, I'm so grateful that... This guy's um, down to do an interview, which I'll be working on in the coming weeks. Don't know when it's going to be posted, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. What is AJ Gwatt doing now? I mean, after swimming 2018. Well, I mean, he's not, he's just an individual um, composer and producer, yeah. but um, he's worked with artists like uh, Carly Uchis, he's worked with Joey Badass as oh, well. Okay. And these are big names, you know, so yeah. How do you feel about the difference between circles and swimming? Do you think there's a difference? Which one's better? Wow. Because <laughs> so, um, Circles question. has good news, man. Big question. Well, the good news is such a bag. Um, you see, Mac, his whole idea was to create um, swimming in circles. So it's, um, it actually goes around in a circle, even sonically, the production. There oh, are little, little like Easter eggs that show the continuity oh, and wow. the circle of it. So swimming in circles, unfortunately, Mac passed right after mm. swimming. Mm. He didn't even get the tour. He was going to do a tour with JID, but it never happened. And Circles, what I think is one of the best posthumous albums of all time. It's mm. such John Bryan, um, who did the whole mixing for it, did such a good job. And it, I think Mac would have been so proud of how it all came together. Yeah, I, I think if you watch, like, this is for, like, Fix's followers. If you watch Good News' music video, yeah. it is incredible. Incredible, honestly, Same, it's so good. It, it made me tear up when I watched it. Honestly, it was so. I think sad. it made everyone tear yeah. up. Yeah, you know, such a person. And it's so weird as well because he he recorded that before yeah. dying, but like he never got to hear his own album. Basically, bro, it's crazy. It's sad. It's so it's mad. I mean, you've talked a lot about the whole time how emotional these songs are, how you get a yeah. particular perspective. It comes from struggle. These are all sorts of highlights, but ultimately, what do you think is so special about rap hip hop? Is it a personal taste that's allowed you to delve into it and see how good it is? Or do you think that in comparison to other genres, there's actually something special there? Um, I mean, when I grew up, you see, my dad pushed me a lot on, into old music. And I used to, like the first album I ever heard beginning to end was Dark Side of the Moon on my iPod Nano, you know, when I was like <laughs> six years old. But um, my elder brother, he, he loved like... Uh, J. Cole, he loved Lil Wayne, he loved Eminem, and he kind of put me on to that direction of hip-hop. And, you know, I was the kid always with the headphones in, you know, I'm, I've been listening to music every single day since I've been alive. Like. Well, I used to do that with Eminem, who used to what? make fun of me at school, I'd have my headphones yeah. on, I'm like 13. <laughs> like, by the... Everyone's had an Eminem Everyone's playing face. football yeah. and I'm sat down. Yeah, I had an Eminem phase, like, when I was probably 13 as well, you know, yeah. um, crazy um, Lose Yourself was. The one song that I used to listen to. But I used to know every song on the bus to rugby yeah. at school. Crazy. I would just have my headphones in and I'd be singing it like this. <laughs> why, why is Lose Yourself such a Lucas song, man? Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like 13 doing push ups on my Like, Fix will know how I was at that age. I was very much into calisthenics, the grind. I still have a bit, but I kind of loosened up. I mean, up a little bit. Still, you are definitely into the grind. Bro, I remember when you first arrived at Oxford. You were so much more, not in a deep way, you had all these aspirations, you were like, I want to do this, I want to make the most. Oh, you do now, no, you do, but let me finish. Bro, he used to just take chicken and just eat raw peppers. I still eat chicken all okay. the time. In any case, we'll move to the next question for Fix, which I believe... Probably the biggest one there. Yeah, which I believe is a really big one. Oh, Fix, no. who are your top five artists? Yeah. Right now? It's or? quite controversial. Like Where? top five as in my favorite ones or top five as in who I think's best. Take like it how you want. Take it how you want. Let's let's do your favorite, your personal favorite top five. Okay. So, well, I have thought about this a little bit, and I mean, my followers can probably tell which artists I like the most from the content I post, because that's where I get my content ideas from. But yeah, at, at number five, <laughs> I'd probably go with. Frank Ocean, mm -hmm. at number four, my boy The Weeknd, um, I mean he used to be my number one, but this, as much as I appreciate the sound that he's um, been on recently, it's not my favorite type of music right now since I'm way more into hip hop, 
So at number three, I would put JID. That's my boy, The Forever Story. Shout out this guy. He's doing insane album of the year last year. Going to see him in Birmingham in a couple of months. At number two, we have Kendrick Lamar, greatest rapper ever, simply put. And at number one, it's my boy Mac Miller, 100%. Why is Mac Miller number one then? Just give us two. Um, well, Kendrick is the GOAT of rap. Like, no one can do the things that Kendrick has done. And just as an artist, I believe he is the best rapper who has ever lived. But then with Mac, he's someone who I find strong like relation with. You know, I relate to his music. He he is a white rapper at the end of the day. And me being white, it's much harder to, re- um, to relate to the topic that Kendrick is presenting. So with Mac, it's just, I, I love his music, you know, the way he, his flow, everything about his music. Like, he's just much the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the thing I relate to more, for sure. Do you feel like Mac Miller's more musical, like with his songs? Uh, musical. That's a loaded question. I don't know. What does that mean? Bro? As in, like you know, with the strings that you have in two thousand and nine. I know Kendrick is as well, but you know, he he does the whole singing yeah, thing. Yeah, Kendrick yeah. does more of the voice affectations, yeah, whereas like yeah, Mac Miller, the chorus is a bit more. Yeah. It's more poetry. Yeah. Mac Miller's more leaning towards music. Yeah, right? yeah, it's more yeah. like. I mean, singing. they both had. They both evolved in their own way. Like Mac started off like Easy Mac with the cheesy raps, you yeah. know. So get like songs like Donald Trump, the spins, the whole of kids. But then Nike's, as he as he grew up, exactly like my Mike Beat, you know, uh, Kool Aid, the frozen pizza. These are all just oh, classic Mac vibes, you know, easy vibes, you know. And then he evolved into an artist who wasn't so about that anymore, you know. He he went super hard on Good AM, you know, and mm. then he moved on to the albums like The Divine Feminine, which is fully just a love album. Mm. We have Swimming, we have Circles. These are all filled with like jazz and like good strings you know it's not just hip-hop but it's art you know i, I think what's great about matt miller is how open he is with his yeah. feelings honestly it's insane yeah. you literally he he doesn't hold back from yeah. letting you see he, he's like a yeah. glass house honestly yeah. you can see into his whole life yeah you can it's see great. that in kendrick now too like yeah. so kendrick started off um very hard you know like good kid mad city is super hard personal in its own way because it's just his experiences but now with albums and uh, at albums like uh, Mr. Morale and Damn, they're just super personal and they're so layered as well. You're not going to listen to a Kendrick song one time and understand, you know, I've heard Kendrick songs hundreds of times and now still I'm learning new things from what he's saying because there's so many lyrics, so many That's messages. That's incredible. That's incredible. Um, well, going on from, a, I guess, a weekly low tradition, apart yeah. from last week, we kind of, uh, we do a song of the week every single week and given mm. that you're the guest this week, Okay. And you're, I guess, this must be the best you. song of the week. It literally, surely. Yeah. Like, <laughs> my song five weeks. Like, it we better have, be. We have otherwise we're special, not. T- <laughs> specialist. We have someone who's like inebriated by like rap hip hop. So, what is your song of the week? Um, I mean, it's a hard question, but I've been listening to a lot of "Let's Start Here" by Lil Yachty. That's his new mm. album. It's a, such a new sound. Didn't expect him to drop that type of album after Poland blew up. You heard Poland, right? To Poland. Exactly. Well, I was planning on oh, yeah, going yeah, fucking yeah, back yeah. to Poland and just <laughs> taking a walk. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't materialize. I'm going to Egypt, so I'll take a walk to Egypt, bro. Fuck Louis. Same thing. <laughs> you don't know it's about lean, though, right? <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't own any lean, but I'm taking that. I hope not. Yeah, it's like, what is it, what is it called? Walk. At, oh, no. I'm thinking of activist, but what's the other brand they always. What's the full name of walk they always talk about? It's like. Well, I'm, I'm not really I'm fucking no either. I love my crossover. So what's the song of the week? So the song of the week is Drive Me Crazy. Okay. By okay. Shall, we, shall we listen to a little snippet of that Let's and go. then yeah. uh, hear what we have to say? Let's go. Just can't walk away, such a good song though like i didn't expect um Liliotti to go in this direction as i said before but 
he's done it he's done such a good job with it like artists like Tyler the Creator for example he, he went out of his comfort zone and just made Igor you know mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The Weeknd in some way with Don FM just changed direction completely and releasing a new type of music and this is what I meant by artists making the songs and the albums that they want to make you know Lil Yachty, he said that he put so much effort into this album it's his favorite album and so with this song, Drive Me Crazy, it's just... Well, shout out Diana Gordon, first of all, for the vocal she does on this song. It's crazy. Um, I don't know much of her solo work, but she's worked with like Beyonce. She's done... She wrote Bad Habit by Steve Lacey. Oh, really? wow. no way! She, yeah, yeah, she does a lot of work with other artists. And with Lil Yachty here, it's just a song about, you know, two lovers. They just can't stay away from each other. Like... I'm sure everyone has had Massive. that feeling. That like, kind of ruins it for me, the bad habit thing, by the way, going back to <laughs> it that. It does. That kind of ruins a song for me. Why? Because <laughs> the thing we were talking about before, the truth and stuff, coming from the song, the fact that he's singing it and you see that song through Steve uh, Lacey, I can't see it through him anymore, you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it doesn't, necessarily mean, it doesn't necessarily mean she wrote all of the songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she definitely contributed to it. Yeah. Have you heard that thing was like girls who run, who who runs the world? It's like apparently like twenty people collaborated on that. It's like <laughs> really? Bohemian Rhapsody. One artist created it, and then it's like girls who run the world, which is like completely the exact same lyrics throughout. It's like twenty people worked on this, just like a meme. So <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, going back to Liliotti, um, you can also see the artistic influences like. Pink Floyd, it's so clear on this album. Bee Gees on this song. BG's. The chorus yeah, is so Bee Gees. And this is a, a rapper, you know, we're talking about. This guy made Poland, like, you know, it, don't expect this to happen. And look at him, he did such a good it's job. Like yeah. This musical diversity, I think, adds a lot of value to an artist, that ability to switch it up, which I think is also. And it takes so much confidence, bro. Yeah, which you can see in The weekend as well, and then Drake, which is why I also value that they kind of go against the grain sometimes even if it makes makes people follow them a bit less but with Lil Yachty specifically it's like a lot of people saw him as it was like some of them changed direction the weekend changed direction Mm -hmm. but he was seen as an artist with like substantive artistic merit like they were like properly deeply artistic Mm -hmm. songs and Lil Yachty often was like like you were talking about the kind of flexing fun song so to see it from him it's an upgrade in a way it isn't for others I think with all of those Lil rappers you know I feel like the minute you have Lil as a prefix to your like Little baby, baby, but you've got little pump. Honestly, yeah, he bro. ruins it for me. Um, I'm just gonna speak about this for a sec because, like, J Cole uh, has a bar. He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking with your funky little rap name, like referring to the Lils, and he's basically dissing Lil Pump and saying, if you keep on going in the direction that you're going, like, you're not. A, I hope you're not as smart as you look. He tells him, and now Lil Yachty today just got. Um, Announced that he'll be performing at Havana. Lil, Lil Pump. Sorry, Lil Pump. Lil Pump will be performing at Havana in, in Malta, Malta, which just shows wow. That's how well, down his, his career awesome. has gone it's and the shit club. It's just a shit club. <laughs> bro, honestly, it's the same with Takashi69 yeah. oh. as well. Like, oh, That's oh, different. Bro, bro. That's different. No, like, like, fucking went to prison. No, yeah. Yeah. Lil Pump is just shit. They all occupy the same space in my head. Like, just that weird, like, gimmicky, like, oh, I still kind of like it sometimes. I'm not going to lie. For the fun, like, what's that song? I love it. Kanye and Lil Pump. It's the deadest song but it's just so fun like you hear it it's just fun I love it I really I, I enjoyed that, that song of the week and I think it's one of the best ones we've had so far to be honest yeah close, close. and which um, which brings me to one of our concluding points uh, thank you Fixed Young Culture for joining us you really brought a different aspect to the low podcast a different vibe it's been an amazing episode we've heard some really unique perspectives and it's it's brought out, I think, a new aspect to Loaf that we hadn't seen before. I really hope the listeners can appreciate this episode. Those, who, so. who, those who are OG Loaf fans, those who have come from Fix the Uncultured. OG, we started about three weeks ago. Yeah. 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 OG you mean your family. Everyone's OG right now. <laughs> yeah. In any case, Fix the Uncultured, you've heard it here first. Thank you very much for joining us Thanks on this so episode. Much, and if you're a new listener, stick around so then you can say that you listen to us when we were new and we were small. <laughs> and fix the uncultured. Was Same for Fix the Uncultured, bro. That first 10k, that was the easiest. Do you have any concluding remarks, Fix the Uncultured? No, it's just it's a pleasure to be here. I'm so grateful for you guys like deciding on me to be your first guest. You know, a Brooks student. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. But yeah.
that's all I have to say. Thank you so much for right, joining us. Time. Thank you. This has been Appreciate episode it. five of the Love Podcast. Signing off. Let's See you in a bit, bro. Well, that's easy. You know, at first, when I first made it, I was just like, now my eyes see your future. <laughs> this shit is hard. Walking with my back to the sun, keep my head to the sky. Me against the world, is me, myself, and I like daylight. Got in touch with my soul. Trade